I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and sex shop owner. And I'm April, VP of an international high-end pleasure products company and boss queen sex toy mogul. We're best friends who make our own rules about who we are as sexual beings. With everything from how to be a badass in the bedroom to top tips for bringing your relationship to the next level, we have something just for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast. This is your ad-free bonus episode for the month. You're welcome. We love you. Uh, So without further ado, let's just dive right in. Uh, So this is another request from a listener or two specifically asking us to do the topic of sober sex, how sexuality um, and relationships can change in sobriety. And uh, we didn't even seek out this guest. Um, it was just perfect alignment. I think this happened that we've discovered this guest only a couple of weeks after there were these requests. So perfect divine timing. I'll give you a little bio a little info about the guest and then we'll just dive right in. So Tawny is a bisexual NYC based writer, public speaker and event producer. She's passionate about breaking stigmas associated with both sobriety and sexuality. Her words have been published in Playboy, Huffington Post and her blog sobrietyparty.com. That's S-O-B-R-I. E-I-R-I-E-T-E-A party.com. When she's not working on all of the things, she's doing yoga or eating tacos, sometimes simultaneously. She sounds like a great time. Check out her podcast, Recovery Rocks, or her website, Tawny Lara, to learn more. That's T-A-W-N-Y-L-A-R-A.com. Welcome to our show, Tawny. Happy to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be here. And you also have a podcast too, which wasn't in your bio, right? Was it? Recovery Rocks is is the title of your podcast. Okay. I have to check that out. I read all about you on your site and I was like, she sounds like an awesome human. Well, I'm in the company of awesome humans. So thank you. Oh, and we we love our other friendly podcasters. So can you, to start, can you tell our listeners about your journey? How did you get to where you are today? With sobriety? Yes, all the sex, yeah, all, sobriety, all, all of the, the above. Uh, so sex has always been a very fascinating topic for me, but it's something that I really learned to lean into when I got sober. Um, one big thing for me was I actually, I stopped faking orgasms when I got sober. Um, a big, I, I faked orgasms for most of my sexual experiences just because of issues that I had with, with porn and thinking of like, oh, this is what sex is supposed to be like. So I was like, oh, this is when I'm supposed to come. This is supposed to happen now. Instead of like really embracing what I like, what turns me on, what I want a sexual partner to do with me. Um, and that, that's something that I really learned in sobriety. Once I removed drugs and alcohol and other addictive behaviors out of the way, I was really able to lean into to who I am and what I want. So, well, I can completely understand. I, I definitely, I've had sober runs where I'm like, enough is enough. I don't, I don't, 
perform well at work when I've been drinking or the basically the hangover from alcohol a lot of times is what really can change your daily uh, just self-awareness and productivity and definitely sex as well, I'm sure. Uh, and I know that I'm more in tune with my body when I'm when I'm having sober sex. But in your opinion, how do you think sex changes after sobriety uh, for the better, obviously, because you've been sober for what? eight? How long have you been sober now? It's um, since November of 15. So yeah. yeah, November will be four years. Wow. Um, for me, sex has gotten so much better. I've, um, like I was saying, I'm having sex for me. It's I'm finding sex as a form of, as it's empowering. And my partner is also sober. So he and I are, we're so, we're more connected, uh, than I've ever experienced in any other relationship because we have a really solid line of communication and trust and openness. And we speak this recovery jargon, this recovery lingo. Um, and a lot that comes with that is with, with honesty and, and just being open and sharing, you know, feelings and, and all of that, all of those things I was running from when I was drinking that I'm really leaning into now. Yeah. And I, yeah, so I, my understanding, let's talk, if we just talk about alcohol, um, so my understanding about alcohol and sex, uh, I mean, obviously it affects a lot of different systems, but, um, you know, one to two drinks, depending on your body size, you know, can actually enhance some things here and there, make you help you lose your inhibitions, feel a little more juicy and alive. And then after that, again, depending on your body size, how much you've had to eat, et cetera, um, it's kind of downhill from there. So in terms of like the body fluids that you produce, you kind of dry up because you're dehydrated, you can numb out. Um, I know people that are actually using alcohol or other substances um, for the numbing out purpose so that like for erections, you know, or I'm sorry, not erections, yeah, for ejectatory control so that they can last longer. And, and they've been used, doing that for a while, you know, they numb their body out and then they can have sex for an hour instead of 10 minutes. But then, then it's, it's a bandaid, it's a, like a poorly built bandaid on, um, on a wound, right? Instead of going to the wound of what's really there, it's this medicated way of dealing with something else with that, that I work with clients uh, with on all the time in my sex and relationship coaching practice. Um, so you're you're in a relationship with someone who is also sober, so that probably makes things easy. What if one person is sober and the other one is not? Yeah, so I like I said, I've been sober almost four years. My partner and I have been together for one year. Mm-hmm. So in those previous three years, you know, I was doing a lot of actually I shouldn't say a lot. I hated dating, but I was I was dating. It wasn't very frequent because it I it's it just sucks dating. I just have never liked it, especially sober dating was really challenging because I learned that men would say that they would be interested or they would be supportive of my not drinking. And then certain things would come up and then they'd just want to, they'd want to know why I stopped. They want to know everything about it instead of just accepting that that's just a part of me or they'd want to push it. Um, I've had people that have like read, so I've been documenting my sobriety on my blog. Like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. I've had people like read my blog, then go on a date with me and then throw some of the articles in my face. Mm -hmm. Um, it was just, it was a very unpleasant experience, um, for the most part, but I did in those three years, um, I had one relationship with someone who wasn't sober and he was, he was great. He was very understanding. Um, he, he didn't drink around me. 
Mm -hmm. Um, I was fine with him drinking when he was with his friends, but I just, I didn't want to be with someone that was wasted. I didn't want to kiss someone that was wasted. If you have a glass of wine at dinner, that whatever, but if you're shit faced, like, I don't want to kiss you. (laughs) Would you agree then that, um, you know, people are used to most of their sexual, sexual life, or even if it's just like the last five or 10 years, uh, being intoxicated, whether it's alcohol or drugs. And then now they're sober that they're kind of at a point where they have to almost relearn how to be sexual again. Like you're, you're, it's like a a new beginning and that a lot of the old ways that you used to have sex or orgasm or connect, um, may not apply. Is it, is, which does that resonate with you at all? Oh yeah, absolutely. It was, um, it was scary in a way. It was, I was like, how am I going to start dating again? How am I going to make friends? How am I going to socialize after work? How am I going to do all of this again without alcohol? Um, but it was also empowering in this way of being like, you know, look, I've made a decision for myself. I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm going to be present for all of my life. And it sucks sometimes. Um, but this is a choice that I've made because alcohol and drugs were ruining my life. Mm. And it was, it was this interesting dichotomy of struggle and empowerment that I, that I still deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that um, this, if you do have partners out there that are going through sobriety or maybe starting their journey, that you probably have some, some suggestions for what uh, those partners could do to support their maybe recently sober partner or partners, um, especially with uh, what they're experiencing in shifts in sex. So can you just kind of enlighten our listeners a little bit, um, maybe suggest some, some tips to help support their partners in that process? Yes. Yeah, so you're asking if a if your partner is sober and you're not, yeah, or maybe they want to be or, want, or want to be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so it's just sobriety is so personal to everyone, like to each individual person. I would just strongly recommend letting your partner know, or your friend or whoever it is, letting them know that you're there. If you, if they need any support, whether it's finding a meeting or finding a therapist or, um, if they're having a bad day and they really want to drink, just letting, just having other activities in mind, like let's go to a movie, let's go to a restaurant that doesn't have alcohol. Um, just, we like to say like sober folks who like to say like, if, like moving, it starts with moving a muscle. So it's like moving the next, you're moving the next step forward. So it's like, let's go for a run. Let's go for a walk. Let's just like, let's, let's play with the dog. Like and literally something, anything else that helps that person take their mind off of what they're, if they're feeling triggered to drink. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes, I mean, but that doesn't mean don't coddle them. Don't feel, don't feel like you have to walk on eggshells because we really are just normal people. We just don't drink mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's just, no, just asking what they need. So it- your podcast, uh, Recovery Rocks. So, d- is this for mostly folks that are um, sober or becoming sober? Can you just give a, enlighten us about what your podcast is about? Is it also for folks that are with partners that are um, going through sobriety? Because um, I'm, I'm curious. I haven't listened to it yet, so I, I just wanted um, more information on your podcast too. What kind of topics you talk about? Yeah, absolutely. So, Recovery Rocks is um, me and my co-host Lisa Smith. 
Um, she is a Gen, Gen X lawyer who um, she quit drinking the, you know, quote, traditional way um, with rehab and AA and uh, tw- like the 12 step program. Um, and I'm, you know, a millennial who didn't go to rehab, didn't do AA. Um, and so it's really just both of us talking about recovery from two totally different perspectives, but show- showing that there's different ways to be in recovery um, and then the rocks comes in because she and I are obsessed with rock and roll. So we, we, we find ways to loop in rock and roll to the, to the episodes. Um, and we talk about, you know, we've had two seasons so far where, you know, we've talked about sober sex, how to be a sober ally, um, LGBT issues, um, music, um, how to be sober around the holidays, you know, anything like life comes up sober Valentine's day when you're single, like, what do you do? You know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. One, one thing that came up for me from what we were talking about earlier in regards to how, um, how sex changes with sobriety. Um, and you know, people, and I was talking about, you know, people relearning, um, who they are as sexual beings. I think that applies to everything, right? Like your body changes, say, your body changes with age, you know, you're you know, 60 years old and your cock isn't getting as hard as it wants to because of age. Um, or you have some major, you know, occurrence in life that shifts, shifts your life and your perspective on life or your um, emotional space. Uh, and people are often trying to get back to where they once were. And, and I think that that's just an important piece that I'd love to highlight here. Mm-hmm. And just whether it's related to drugs, alcohol, sobriety, or anything around sex, that if you go through through a drastic life change where now your entire lifestyle or your physical being or something about you is very different than it once was, um, I think it can be really refreshing to look at it as that fresh start. It's also a little scary uh, but look at it as this opportunity as if I have a new body or a new emotional being and how can I uh, learn what I like now. And then with sex, I would imagine that would be like getting really curious, you know, what worked for me in terms of the sensations of what I liked when I was was consuming drugs and alcohol now obviously is very different because like I'm more in my body in a different way, which can also be really scary because now I'm more in my body and I have to feel everything. And now my partner can fully or my lovers can fully see me and I don't have this mask to hide behind. Um, so I, I think that, and again, I'm not someone that has, um, has, gone sober or nor felt like I need to. I have had a, a partner who our first three years of our relationship, um, there were substances involved and then they went completely sober for the last two years of our relationship. And so I did experience that shift and sexuality did change there. Um, and it, we used to have this uh, really like hot and um, sp- spicy, spontaneous sex. And granted, so many other things happened that were actually kind of probably related to the lack of sobriety for him um, where we had some trauma and things, uh, not necessarily related to sex. So this is kind of a tangent, but I saw the shifts happen there in, and um, and it was really hard in it for both of us. It was like, where did the fire go? And I don't think that we... Uh, looked at it from that perspective of here's an opportunity for a fresh start to get curious about who we are as if we are just in a whole new relationship or he has like a whole new being. And I just think that maybe had we done that, some things would have been different. I don't know what you think about that or if you shared a journey similar to that. No, that's an excellent point. Um, And it's, 
it's great that you were, I mean, I don't know, maybe great's not the right word, but you've, you've experienced what it's, what it's like to be, you know, an ally to someone in recovery. And that's a really, uh, that's a really powerful role. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, like what, like I was saying how it was actually empowering for me to, it was equally scary and empowering. That's what I was talking about where it's like, it's, I looked at it as like, look, this is a fresh start. I'm starting over. Um, I quit drinking five months after I moved away from my hometown in Texas to New York city. So I had, you know, I moved here to pursue writing and I had made new friends and I was, I was, I was, I put myself in a good place, in a really good place. And I was surrounded by people that were supportive. Like these people, like I worked into the recovery scene here and I, I took care, I took care of myself for the first time. Um, Cause back in my hometown, I was bartending, I was doing the party girl scene. So it was like, I was hooking up with people because I was drinking and then I was drinking because I was hooking up with people. And it was like, it was this whole cycle. Um, and leaving, I had to leave all of that completely to really, I think I had to leave my hometown to, to get sober. I don't know if I ever would have, if I didn't. Um, but it, it is, it's that, that fresh start and whether you need to move locations or even just, just giving up alcohol is such a significant life change and it needs to be treated with that respect and with, with allies and with resources. Like my first year, I, it, I didn't go to support groups and I wish that I did. Like you're talking about things you wish that you would have started. Um, I wish that I would have realized like, I need, I need, I need therapy sooner. I needed support groups sooner. Um, I eventually found that, but I wish that I would have admitted that I don't need to do this alone sooner. And going back to what you were saying uh, about kind of you were, when you were dating and um, maybe in your hometown, or I'm not sure if it was in New York, but you were kind of relying on alcohol and drugs to uh, get out there and and have sex with people. And then the next day, kind of the same cycle, um, which is very common. It's easier, especially in the dating world slash, I hate the word dating too. I feel like it sounds so, so cliche and and old school. We're going steady. Uh, (laughs) Uh, but I was wondering if you had you have any advice for folks who are they're relying on drugs and alcohol for better sex, but maybe they want to get sober or they want a different outlet. Um, that would be great, I think, to know. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're we're in a very interesting time right now where mindfulness and sobriety are trendy, and I I hate to say that I, it, it bugs me that sobriety is trendy, but. I think it's, I just think it's very interesting um, because it's, it's not like this thing that you can try and then be like, okay, I did that. Like it's a life, it is a significant lifestyle for some people, like big lifestyle change. Um, But with that being said, there's respect, there's great ways to go about doing it. Like, you know, if you are curious about giving up um, drugs or booze for a little bit, like just, just try it. Um, every, everyone's relationship is different. Some people do need more help than others. I was able to quit cold Turkey. Um, I would recommend reading, um, Ruby Warrington wrote a book called sober curious for exactly what you're talking about. She also has a podcast called sober curious and it's for people like that, that are like, I don't necessarily want to quit drinking, but I want to understand my relationship with alcohol a little bit more. 
why am I drinking so much at weddings or why do I need to drink before I hook up? Like, you know, there's, it's really creating the space for people that don't necessarily want to say, I have a problem and I'm going to stop drinking forever. It's, I want to examine why I drink the way I do today. Yeah, I love that. I uh, was thinking about uh, when we recorded or I recorded the podcast with uh, Dixie De La Tour, who does the body storytelling podcast. And, and it was about erotic storytelling, but she also, we titled the podcast, The Best Dating Advice Ever. And I really liked what she said on there. And I think that this would be a good, maybe you can yeah, you can say your opinion too, um, to apply to sober dating. Because I understand that like April was saying, in the dating world, people rely on that glass of wine or like, let's go to that place and have a drink. Do you want to meet for a drink? And then that is off the table. I have a friend um, who is dating someone and alcohol is a big part of their relationship. And, um, you know, when they've want, when she's wanted to take breaks from actually consuming alcohol, it's been an issue because she's like, how do we hang out? You know, their other person's not on board. What can we do? And so in the, that podcast with Dixie, she said, um, regard dating as part of your story and an adventure. So it's not like an mm-hmm. interview, you know, let's go out to dinner and have that drink and have like, so what do you do? And like, do you, what is your favorite color blue and all that? Instead, you know, go on a wild and crazy adventure, go try something new, go, yeah, yeah, roller skating or go like, <laughs> climb that mountain that you're not supposed to climb because there's a do not enter sign. Or she told the story about like climbing some bridge that she wasn't supposed to climb and just, yeah, or take a cooking class or just <laughs> that in, and if it doesn't go well, she said, embrace that. That's part of your story. Wow, your story just got more exciting because you just did this weird thing that didn't go so well. All right, awesome. And I think that maybe that could help to take some of the pressure off of if we take uh, you know, drugs or alcohol out of the equation and it's scary to get to know someone in a traditional mm. interview environment, don't do the traditional interview environment. Don't go to the place where there's alcohol. You know, Don't date someone probably where alcohol is a huge part of their life if it's something that you're consider- you have an issue with or considering maybe walking away from or you have walked away from and if you're, you know, the partner ally person to be, to be respectful of the other person, like my, in my circumstance with my, uh, my ex, um, he didn't, he didn't ask me to not, you know, not to drink alcohol in front of him. Uh, but I naturally just started to respect that where I would, ve- you know, rarely, I would sometimes, but it wasn't a regular thing. We lived together for a year. You know, I wouldn't just like crack open a bottle of wine in front of him because I knew that it was a thing for him. But uh, there was on the occasion where I would. And so I was just just watching that. So again, not walking on eggshells, but there's so many ways that it sounds like we can um, be allies for other people. We can reframe and look things differently for ourselves if we are, you know, this someone who is considering getting sober or, or um, being sober. Um, by just like recreating it and not doing it the way we used to or the way society says we should do dating, sex, or relationships. Yeah, I mm-hmm. I, I think that's great. Like, cause I wish I had that advice <laughs> when I was dating because I, I, I did look at it as like this very serious, like, are you the person for the rest of my life mm-hmm. type of thing? And that's not fun. That's not sexy. That's like... That, no one, no one wants to go on a date with that person. Um, <laughs> and I also like in hearing you talk about that reminded me of when I was dating. I was and I was on the apps. I tried different experiments of putting being sober on my profile and not. Um, and I found that I had 
better luck not having it on my profile, but talking about it when we started messaging Mm -hmm. or not even saying, you know, I'm in recovery. Just like, you know, the initial question is like, Hey, let's grab a drink. I'm just like, I don't drink, but I'm happy to get coffee. Mm -hmm. And then whenever we would meet in person, if it, you know, it, it could come up because when people, then they would ask what I was doing. And, you know, like my, my career is, is recovery. I'm not just a sober person. Like my career is a recovery advocate Mm -hmm. where like podcast writing, like working on a book, you know, all this stuff. So I'm like super sober. (laughs) And, um, so like, I think if you're out there and you're, you're sober dating, try out a couple different ways, try putting it in your profile, uh, try not putting it in your profile. Um, because that's a whole other issue of like, when do you tell a new potential partner that you're in recovery. Like that's, that can be a very scary, intimidating conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that it, that's probably depends on the person. Right. But I like what you said about um, doing your research project and putting what the results <laughs> that came having in your profile. And yeah. And when you start to have conversations with people, that's, you know, I, when I coach people in my sex and relationship coaching practice, I often help them with dating and dating apps. And you, when do you share what, you know, some people have asked, you know, I have sexual trauma. When do I tell my dates that? Is it in, you know, like right when we start talking, is it date one? And so it's different for everyone um, in terms of when these things apply. But I think that is something to consider uh, in terms of how to uh, go about that. And I really want to go back to what you said about having even the most connected, amazing sex with your partner now, who you've been with for a year after, and he's, uh, excuse me, he, um, we said, right? I should say they, I wasn't sure. I think you said he, um, but he, yeah. Yes. Okay. Got it. Sorry. Sometimes I, I go into that. Um, so <laughs> I just wanted just to offer our listeners the, um, uh, you know, kind of, invite them to think that you can still have great sex even after you're sober. Uh, It's possible. And sometimes it has to do with the partner that you're experiencing sex with. Um, Or, and sometimes it has to do with yourself, but it really is. I mean, being sober, I'm sure you're connecting more with yourself on a daily basis. You're not medicating or trying to forget about problems or issues because of alcohol or not because of alcohol, but using alcohol and drugs to medicate. So I think that, uh, yeah, that I just wanted to go back to that because um, one of the questions that we had for you is like, how do people have great sex in sobriety? And um, yeah, I don't know if we've really covered that, but I would love to hear what you have to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of like what I said earlier is we have, um, my partner and I have this, we're very lucky to be both in recovery and share this dialogue of honesty, open communication, honesty, um, to where it's like, if I want to try something, I bring it up. I'm like, Hey, let's give this a shot. He'll do the same thing. If the other one is not comfortable trying something, of course, we'll, we won't push that, um, too much, (laughs) but, um, well, you know, we respect that in one another. Um, but it's, it's really just, I've, I've learned that sex isn't so much just like penetration and touching, like it's eye contact and it's intimacy and it's genuine connection and love. Uh, it can't, you know, it can be all of these things too. And if you are into casual sex, you can still have so much fun sober as well. I mean, like 
Um, the, I, I got a piece published in Playboy in June where I, I talk about how my experience with pegging and I, I, I explored that in sobriety. That's brand new. Like, I don't even think I would have had the audacity to ask someone if I could do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was still drinking, I wasn't like alcohol gave me this false sense of confidence, but it wasn't, re- you know, it wasn't real confidence. I found true confidence in sobriety and that allowed me to ask for what I really want sexually. Mm, liquid courage. Mm. And there's a lot of that going on. That's what yeah. they call the liquid courage. Well, one other thing that came to mind for me too, that I've heard people using for sex that is, um, is a completely sober sexual enhancement tool is erotic breath work. Um, so you can literally breathe yourself into feeling high, into feeling more alive, into feeling more connected to you, into your all of your body's cells vibrating at a, um, a more powerful level than they, they were before. Um, so that's something too, if you're, if you're someone who is uh, used to the high of, for in sexual connection with yourself or with another person to explore erotic breathwork, we've done podcasts on that. So you can go look up and past podcasts on erotic breathwork, um, but it's a really powerful practice um, and it can be a really great connective practice with other people that can still give you that feeling of um, like an altered state uh, yeah. of, of consciousness, but it's a really wonderful, healthy one that's really actually good for your entire body and brain. Uh, and then if, again, as I said before, if people are um, afraid to leave drugs and alcohol or um, or they have and they're afraid because uh, they're using it as some sort of crutch for something that's already happening in their body that they're, you know, their erectile stuff, their ejaculatory stuff, their, um, their uh, ability to open up and, and let go and share their bodies with others. Uh, go see a sex and relationship coach. Go see a sex therapist. Go see someone who can help you really get to the core, uh, you know, the root of the issue and, um, and, and because that's the gold, you know, there's a, there's something in there that's really important that is, is asking for your attention. Um, and the other things are kind of temporary crutches on to, on, on whatever is kind of screaming for you to, to get into. Um, but there are ways, like I know people that have sorted through it, right? They're, they thought that they could never open up without these crutches. They thought that they could never last longer than five minutes without having drugs and alcohol on their body. And they, they learned to because your largest sex organ is your brain. It's not your genitals. It's, you know, it's not, it's not the rest of your body. It's your brain and its association with everything. It's, it's not responsible for 90% of that. And, um, and that's a daunting task to work with. But as we're talking about here is 100% doable. And part of it is reframing. And like you're saying, really getting support, not trying to do it alone. Can you share with our yeah. listeners uh, how, so we said in the beginning, how they can find you, how they can work with or learn more about you. Do you work with people? Like how do they learn more about you? Where do they find you? How do they work with you? Yes. Um, I mean, I don't do any sort of coaching or anything like that. Um, I'm predominantly freelance writing. I do sober event production in New York City. Um, you can find me tawnylara.com, T-A-W-N-Y-L-A-R-A. And in social media is at Tawny M. Lara, T-A-W-N-Y-M-L-A-R-A. Uh, and my blog, Sobriety Party, T-E-A. Um, that's where I've been documenting my sobriety since I quit drinking almost four years ago. Yeah, I actually read uh, some of your work on your um, site and some of your blog, and it was really, you're a great writer. You have a lot of um, great ways to communicate your story and 
I definitely will keep looking out for more of your work. And yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for what you're doing for folks. Um, I think this is a great tool for those uh, listeners out there that want to get sober, that have a partner that possibly is sober or that are on a sobriety journey of their own. So this was really great. And thank you for, for, yeah, your time, Tawny. This is great. Thank you for having me. Um, what can I add one more thing? Of course. I want to also say something I learned in sobriety is, uh, like my partner and I got into the, into kink in sobriety. And I want to share something that I wish I would have learned, uh, sooner. Um, a lot of the kink and like sex party community is sober. Like, even if you're not quote sober in recovery, it's like, there's this understanding of like drugs and alcohol are not cool. Like, like it's, it's not cool there. Um, don't, there's obviously parties where it is, people are intoxicated, but for the most part, it's a sober experience. And I just, I think that that's important. That's an important thing that I want people to know. Well, it's also, I really, for safety reasons, probably depending on what you're doing, uh, good to have all of your, your nerve, be connected with your nerves and have your brain active because it can exactly. also just be dangerous if you're not. So yeah, that's great. And there's, I, there's, I'm sure there's sober play parties everywhere if people want to experience mm-hmm. that. And there's, um, there's lots of resources now and the internet is thankfully connecting everyone. We haven't lost the internet yet. Just <laughs> <laughs> we need it. So, all right, y'all really thank you, Tawny again. And thank you to our listeners. We absolutely love you. And we definitely see you every Tuesday. And sometimes we, we see you other times a week or you at least hear us other, other days of the week. And we love you all. Thank you so much. Ciao for now. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.